Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast, your weekly dose of the Dairy State. We are your hosts as always, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russ Sari. Today we are learning about the famous sausage known as the Cadillac of sausage makers. That's right, today we are referring to the Usinger's sausage and that story, the history behind it. Uh, As always, we also have great Wisconsin music from the Honey Goats, a delicious beer review, another edition of the infamous How Many Locos You At, and a special interview with Sprecher Brewery. Before we dive in, remember to like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. If you love the show and you wish to support our logo, go check out Tee Public and search Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast to see all of our available t-shirts, hoodies, onesies, masks, totes, mugs, and a ton of other products. I mean, there's a, a ton of stuff that you could put our logo on and uh, support us wherever the hell you go. It's great. So without any further ado... Here is our episode about Usinger's sausage in Milwaukee. So at the age of 19, a German immigrant named Frederick Usinger arrived in the U.S. In the late 1870s, after earning a craft sausage-making Wurstmacher in Frankfurt, Germany, due to the large population and thriving German culture, Usinger decided he would settle in the Milwaukee area. With a savings of $400 and a large number of recipes committed to memory from his German sausage roots, he settled near North 3rd Street, prospering and dominating German area. Today, it's actually still um, an old German area. In Milwaukee, it has Mater's old old German beer hall, Usinger's. Yeah. Have you ever partied down there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, my birthday, actually, this year, so uh, January 2020, uh, we were down there in a snowstorm. We It was my cr- um, company's Christmas party, um, and we walked to Old World 3rd, and we hit up... Uh, um, I believe we just went to Broadhouse, but there's like you said, Broadhouse, uh, Mater's, uh, uh, all of those places. It's yeah, great. it's a great place. I had I had one of my I think it was my 27th or 28th birthday party down there, and actually yeah. our our graphic artist Stephanie was there, and we were playing Hammerschlagen with a lot of coworkers and stuff. It was a good time. We went on a Hammerschlagen, and we went on this little boat thing where they had like beer samples and food and stuff down the river. It was pretty neat. That wasn't a boat, Russ. That was just you splashing around in the urinal. <laughs> Me with floaty wings floating down the Milwaukee River. <laughs> so he first began to work for a widow of an existing butcher shop named Mrs. Julia Gartner. And within a couple of years, Fred Usinger bought out the butcher shop and he married Mrs. Gardner's late niece, Louise Lorenz. The couple would live above the current company headquarters of the store. In 1888, they changed the name of the company to the one we all know in today, the Usinger Sausage. The couple were both fully vested in the company and worked all day and night making sausages and completing orders. They sold directly from their store, but Fred also made handbasket deliveries to stores and saloons throughout the area. The biggest being the saloons and were the key ingredient to the success story. During the time period, saloons would offer up a free lunch to attract businessmen from out of town as well as noontime workers. It eventually became the staple of high-end establishments in the downtown Milwaukee area. Due to the quality and being the best and most skilled um, worst mocker, they soon grabbed attention as being the best sausage they ate and begged sausage makers to ship their products goods to other areas where they were located. The company expanded throughout Milwaukee and surrounding Wisconsin areas, but began accounts as far away as New York. Usinger was said to work 14-hour days, seven days a week, alongside the workers he hired in the plants. With the, with the lack of refrigeration during this time period, they could only actually produce sausage in the winter months. But during the summer, he would work on his farm and with his employees where they kept them busy planting trees and assisting him with farm work. Wow, that's crazy. Because they didn't have any refrigeration or freezer type stuff, they basically just relied on the fact that we get 
so many cold months that he could use like a natural refrigeration process. Yeah. That's nuts. And it's kind of the same thing with Miller too. They have that um, underground cavern where they had to store all the beer because it's so far underground that it keeps cool enough all year round. Yeah. But not a lot of places had this opportunity. So, they, so some brew makers could only make beer in the winter months, like lagers. And, and I'll be honest, I'll bet you too that once refrigerate like a more modern version of what refrigeration is once that was available it was probably expensive as hell too oh yeah so a lot of these companies who who you know who were local and stuff they probably couldn't afford to do that i remember hearing a story about coors the banquet beer brewed in uh, golden colorado and how they couldn't ship uh east of the mississippi because the refrigeration lines didn't exist the freight lines that had refrigerated cars they couldn't ship this far out and because they were afraid of their product going not going bad but basically losing its quality and they didn't want to do that they didn't want to risk that so therefore the distribution of their product was was restrained because of the you know the lack of rich uh, refrigerated rail cars yeah and actually miller was lucky because they have that plank road cave so yeah. like they could store a lot of stuff and pretty much brew all year round, but not all breweries had that luxury. It was it was a pretty pretty weird time without refrigeration. Awesome, that's cool. In 1906, due to the success and nationwide sales, Usinger's expanded the company into a four story addition next to the original plant that served as production, as well as the headquarters of the company. It was one of the first sausage makers in the country to get approval from uh, the federal inspections. The company would continue a slow rise and still kept majority of distribution in the Milwaukee area. They adapted some marketing of the elves, which we all know and see today, like the one me and Eric actually saw on my birthday who was getting grinded on by some uh, ladies of the evening. Oh, yeah, baby. Dude, they were rubbing on that thing. That elf stank the next day. Yeah, shout out to the Bavarian Beer House for, I don't know, know, providing uh, a great time for that using herself. Yeah, he had a great time. Usinger's always shared his with his staff and conducted quality control, which consisted of all of the taking of noon sausage breaks, and the company critiqued the product as there were about 100 types of sausages in the early years. So it's kind of cool that he actually sat down with his employees and shared sausage, and that's how they did quality control. Yeah, they did a nice little sausage party. Yeah, I mean, you can't beat a meat a meat party. <laughs> you can't beat a meat party. <laughs> I really like what you yeah, did Yeah, I know. I, th- I thought you'd get that one. That was good. All the recipes brought back with Frederick from the old country. In 1930, Frederick Usinger passed, leaving his accumulated wealth and control of the company to his son, Frederick Usinger Jr. He continued using the same recipes and production methods and continued to success. The company grew larger and in 1930 became a unionized production, but was still a family-focused business and the new quality control measures remained up until the early 80s. In World War II, meat had to be rationed for the war effort. So Usinger Jr. made the decision that he was not going to change any of the recipes, causing the product to become quite expensive and almost driving the company out of business. But they prevailed and never lost the quality. Unlike many of the other competitors, they did not have to use cheap alternatives to keep afloat. The loyal customers always came back, even as the prices rose, due to the great taste and output. After the war around 1945, the company continued to increase, and Frederick Usinger Jr. stepped down in 1953, allowing his son Frederick D. Usinger to step in. He had been working at the plant since he was 16 and even quit college as a sophomore to continue the family tradition. They began to modernize the plant and increased capacity 25% in the 10 years following the war, driving sales up about 40%, which is huge. I mean, that's massive. It's a big increase. They did have to downscale their production to 60 types of sausages down from the 100 heirloom varieties in the beginning. And about half of the business in the 50s was out-of-state business, and the main consumer being delicatessens, delicatessens by Express Rail. Which yeah. is pretty cool. I mean, c- considering the time period, like now we're getting into the the area, like in the fifties, where we're starting to get some refrigeration. You know, all these people are coming back, buying things. You know, you got the housewife at home going out to buy quality sausages. So it's just driving. You know, people have money to spend because of the war. Well, I was gonna say, you know, I, I imagine that uh, a quality made sausage product like this, even in the fifties, was probably like. Uh, you know, a, a delicacy. It was it was a, a rare, uh, more rare occurrence to have that on your plate versus just standard, you know, meat and potatoes kind of things because, you know, cows are maybe a little bit different than, than you know, pork and whatever other varieties they use in here. But I think they're mostly pork sausages. But Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is the next, the next part I'm going to talk about is really impressive about the company because, you know, today we, we get flooded by marketing and um, commercials. 
And Usinger is one of those companies that never really had to use it to get their sales to go up. It was just all word of mouth and spread, you know, like wildfire, which is pretty impressive for a company. They had damn good wieners. Yeah. People knew about their sausage. I mean, businessmen would come here all the time, and that that's one thing they would request. Like, we want a Usinger sausage because we remember it the last time we were here, and then they would bring some home with them, you know. And now you could do refrigeration so you could take it with you. So they could spread it and uh, causing people all over the world to be like, where is this great sausage being made? Yeah. So even without the use of marketing and advertising in the 60s, the company was still expanding just due to word of mouth and the high quality products. In the mid 60s, due to the population moving away from the small mom and pop stores of the previous years and moving more towards the large grocery chains that we know today. To stay with the times, Usinger decided to start packaging um, which which allowed them to be on shelves all over the U.S. In the 70s, the growth would continue to grow from 5 million pounds in the early 60s to about 7.8 million pounds by the late 70s, which it doesn't sound like a lot, but 2.8 million pounds of sausage is incredible amounts of meat. Well, and that's like, uh, I don't, I'm not great at math, but that's like a 200% uh, you know, uh, growth. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, and as always, they, they continue to produce highest quality products, and you're still using the original recipes, which never changed. And now that we, we're getting a little more out of Milwaukee distribution, and now 65% of the business is being spread throughout the United States, which is pretty neat. It's reaching New York. It's reaching the West Coast, California, Oregon, which yeah. is pretty incredible. We, we know those New Yorkers like their sausage. Oh, yeah. In 1980, they celebrated 100 years of being not only a family business, but keeping the entire process traditional. During this time, Frederick D. would semi-retire and pass it on to the next family member, Fritz, the fourth generation Usinger to take over. Fritz decided to do some additional modernization of the company, as well as a 24,000-foot expansion in 1984. In 1988, he became the official president of the company alongside his sister, Deborah, who currently serves as retail operation, and uh, they are the only two current family members in the facility today. In the 1980s, the company faced some unusual issues with a militant terrorist group called the Militant African Underground, or MAMA, as it is known, where they said they injected rat poison into Usinger sausages. And that was in the 90s. Yes, and this was all due because the city of Milwaukee had to plan plans to change the uh, Old World 3rd Street, which it is today, and they were going to change it to Martin Luther King Drive, which the company rejected as they did not want their roots destroyed. And this is like historic, you know. This is where Milwaukee started. This is where the Germans, you know, came from. Yeah, well, and I would imagine, I mean, th- th- this area uh, uh, being known as Old World 3rd, is uh, just as historic as the company itself. You have roots there that go beyond anything else. So changing even the street name, I mean, I could only imagine that that could have maybe, uh, uh, I guess, some sort of negative, not uh, just a negative outcome on the company itself. You know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what to what extent, but maybe. Yeah, and I mean, I, I get it. Like, I, I, me and Eric, we, we're both for, like, rights for everyone. Like, civil rights. Like, we're pretty open people. You very, know? very. So, I, I understand both sides, but at the same time, I'm glad they didn't change this, in my opinion. But right. just just my opinion. And, I mean, we, we did name another area, you know, Martin Luther King Drive, so. Exactly. So, the no one at the company had even heard about this until a reporter called to talk to Fritz, who, you know, the company... They acted really cool. They immediately recalled all its products from its shelf, about 80,000 pounds, um, and was sent to the FDA for testing. Though the whole thing was discovered to be a large hoax, it did not cause the company. It, it did cause the company to lose $114,000 in sales, right before the ever busy Fourth of July weekend. Plus wow. all the FDA testing fees, which is a pretty big blow to a company that I'm sure they they go way up around this time period. Well, that would be that would be like the time that you're grilling and you're doing all your backyard stuff with sausages. That's like the staple item on a menu for, you know, that, that 4th of July weekend. Yeah, exactly. And the company was praised for the quick, cool-headed approach, as Fritz is quoted as saying to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, it's just one of those bizarre things that happen. You take the necessary steps and go on from there, which is a pretty cool response. I mean, for something that major to a company you, know? you just got to be you got to be fluid you got to roll with the wave you got to take it as it comes and i think some companies nowadays focus far too much on their pr whereas it's it's easier just you're a, a member of the original using your family you you can easily be cool about this 
you know, this is still, even though it's a large company, it's still a family oriented, family based kind of operation. Exactly. And uh, another thing in the 90s that they established the mail order business um, and also became certified Angus beef um, for some of its products, which is pretty impressive for this time. It was a new concept coming out. Yeah. And I mean, this just, just to add to their quality, I mean. They have always continued great success, even today, and were featured in the 2002 Winter Games in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the official supplier of Olympic wieners. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would have uh, assumed that that was France. That they they, they supplied a... all the wieners to the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> they were chosen as the best hot dog in the U.S. as they sent close to half a million dogs, which were eaten in the first five days of the 17-day games. Wow, that's that's actually people really People really cool. loved them. Yeah, people loved them that much that they just got devoured. Yeah. You know, it's pretty cool. They ended up shipping another 200,000 hot dogs within the week. They also sent hot dogs to the Sydney Games as well in 2000. They are just a Milwaukee staple and must try for a must try for anyone who's really willing to splurge for you know a higher quality meat sausage product. And I you know when I have the extra money, so let's say I have people over, like a lot of people, I'm not gonna get you singers because it's a little pricier. I'm gonna go with a Johnsonville where you get a huge pack, you know. Yeah. And you can feed like your all your friends that come over. But mm-hmm. if it's just me and you know Rachel and we're just sitting there eating, I'm gonna get a higher quality sausage. Now, and I'll 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 give you a little bit of insight into to my uh, my wiener choices. Um, back when I lived in Milwaukee, I lived on Second Street uh, in the uh, well, in, in right underneath the Allen Bradley Building uh, in an area that they call Walker's Point, and uh, right down the street was the Usinger's uh, um, sort of like not plant but like. Something like like that. It's an operations place more so than it is a retail place, but they do have this great retail section in there that just seems sort of like relatively unknown. Now I'm sure everybody in Milwaukee knows about it, but yeah, the, yeah. but out of, for out of me, Mil- out of Milwaukeeers probably don't know, right? About, you know, and for me, this was you know my first year in Milwaukee. Uh, my roommates and I would go to the Usinger's uh, uh, little warehouse thing and and buy meat all the time, and I would. I would get the the big packages of like the snack sticks and the beef sticks. Oh, those are so good. Those are the best. Now, now that I don't live as close to that facility, I'll admit, you know, my my sausage of choice is mostly Clements. Um, and and uh, when I do see Usinger's available, I purchase it. A lot yeah, of times, sure. all I see is the Usinger's uh, liverwurst or uh, um, Braunschweiger, and yep. and I and I eat that all. I mean, I am a huge supporter of these different products, and I really do enjoy Braunschweiger. If you haven't had a Braunschweiger sandwich with just a piece of like, you know, uh, normal cheese on on the, uh, you know, it's just it's amazing. You don't have to fry it up or anything; just cut it off. And I know it's a kind of a a weird meat. A lot of people don't enjoy it. It's kind of a, a weird processed sort of um, loose feeling <laughs> sausage. But it, it is. It's a great it's a great product. Yeah, one of my favorite um is I love the bratwurst that they have. And what I like to do is add kraut and mustard to it. It's like my favorite. That you singers you singers bratwurst with kraut and mustard is like one of the best things yeah. you'll ever eat. I agree. And I and, and honestly one of the things that I take away from my childhood is making sure that you boil your kraut with a little bit of brown sugar in there as well. Oh yeah, take the edge off a little. Just bit take too. take a little bit of the bite off. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, sure. it's just a little. And I don't mind it being a little bitey. Uh, in fact, when I eat it on a, um, a Reuben, I like it to be bitey because yeah. I think all the other things on that sandwich can tend to be a little too sweet. With the Thousand Island, it's, bitey is better on that. Yeah, have it, that nip. And one uh, kraut that you should try if you're into that is uh, they have a sriracha sauerkraut right now never heard of it yeah it adds a little spice and a little bit more flavor to it and it takes that edge off the kraut that sour edge a little bit yeah adds some heat to it and and sriracha is it has that little bit of a sweeter note yeah it's not a super heat but it it does have that uh that little bit of a a sweeter note to that hot sauce which is nice and then you add that in i'm sure it actually does it takes off that bite but that's going to conclude our main story for today and now on to the music segment all right, so the uh, Wisconsin music segment today is uh, a very special band. Uh, this is the Honey Goats. They are a Wisconsin-based bluegrass uh, outfit that is absolutely phenomenal. Great musicians. Uh, we reached out to them, asked, you know, told them that we we're, we've been fans for years. Uh, we've gone and seen them a couple times uh, personally. So 
we were very interested to see, you know, if and when they were going to record this stuff because uh, we couldn't find any of it out there other than some live performances on YouTube. And they said that, hey, we're actually almost done finishing this this album that, you know, we recorded, you know, the seven years and three days. And uh, so they, they actually shipped us a copy. Uh, and, and as soon as we got it, we were just enthralled. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. I love the product. Their music is so good. Uh, in particular, we chose uh, the song Hummingbird to feature. Uh, but it, it, again, was really, really tough. It's like deciding which one of your kids is your favorite. Um, just very difficult. And uh, we went with Hummingbird. It's an absolutely fantastic song. I honestly encourage all of you to... Um, either reach out to them via Facebook or something like that. Try to find out what events they have on their Facebook page. If they're doing some live streaming stuff uh, uh, on the internet, definitely listen to it. It's very good. Uh, If and when we get back to some normal uh, concert going events, uh, please make it a must. Enjoy some wine, some beer, uh, some spirits. Listen to their absolutely awesome songs. The Honey Goats are phenomenal. So, Uh, Without further ado, this is the Honey Goats Hummingbird. Again, that was The Honey Goats with the song Hummingbird. 
please go check out their uh, their album that they just finished recording. Uh, that's uh, Seven Years and Three Days. Uh, that is uh, on Spotify, on iTunes. I'm sure there's uh, other places to find it as well. Um, great yeah, stuff. Just another top-notch bluegrass from Wisconsin. Oh, fucking so good. I, sure. I absolutely love their music. So, uh, on to our beer review segment. Yeah, Tasty. T- today we have a really unique one from uh, Three Sheeps Brewing in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Um, today we're talking about Pool Party, which is a lemon ale, which which is an actual ale with uh, lemon puree infused in it. It's a 4.8% ABV. It's one you could drink. It's a, it's a great, you know, it's wintertime now, but it's a great, like, summer feel to it, and I love it. To me, it's better than uh, like summer shandy. Uh, oh yeah, it's along the same lines. It's kind of in the same church, but maybe a slightly different pew. And it's just, it's a phenomenal beer. Yeah, you know, it's really unique, and I, I really recommend somebody who's willing to experiment with a new beer to try this. It's um a really crisp ale, um, carbonated, perfect. You get a little bit of the hops in there, but the lemon puree takes the edge off the beer. Yeah, which you you get that lemon back finish. Um, it's really clean and crisp. Yeah, I I love it. The can's really cool. Actually, like the, it is a pool party on it. There's like a flamingo. <laughs> it's amazing. It's cool. The beach, the ball, um, the the floating drinks. The the thing I love about uh, these these new craft beer companies that are releasing these awesome beers is that they wrap the can instead of it being like a printed can. So these are. Uh, absolutely cool graphics they're able to do so much more uh and probably at a cheaper price i'm assuming than to just print directly onto the aluminum can um just really cool graphics it really stands out at you i swear i was standing at the beer cooler looking at all of the uh potential uh you know beverages that i could uh you know provide for this show for these reviews and, and this one just jumped straight out from all of the other you know options and it, it, it and, and again, it is not your typical beer, but don't let it don't let that, uh, uh, you know, I guess, deter you from uh, trying it because it, it isn't like lemonade. It's not no, like you're not drinking a fruity, seltzery thing. It's it's a beer. Don't it's a, don't, it, don't be fooled. It is a beer. It's a it's an ale with a hint of lemon puree, which it's really good. It's refreshing. And uh, today is 1220 um, when this episode is released. So it's a little cold here. And, you know, it's like a nice taste of the summer. Which is nice. Um, this will be a perfect one to enjoy in a hot tub. If you have oh, a hot yeah, tub, for sure. Whether that's an indoor hot tub or a outdoor hot tub, I would say this is a perfect one to enjoy uh, while you're uh, basking in the heat, also in the cold. Or yeah, or if you go for those shower beers like I do, you got to have a shower beer. This one's a great shower beer. It is a phenomenal tasting product. I would say, if if you can. Go to your local uh, Woodman's. I know that you 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 say them because they do have a large variety of beers. Yeah, and it's kind of close to home. Yep. What, whatever liquor store. If, Total if they, wine. If they carry three sheeps, yeah. grab it. I mean, it, even if you're out of state, I don't know how far the distribution is for three sheeps, but if you see this one, please grab it. It's really unique. It's a different flavor than you're used to. Um, if, if you're willing to go out and try something new, like like I say before, we, we're, we're in the cheap beers. We're in the all beer. Oh, yeah. We're, we're not picky. We're not... You know, we're not beer snobs. I've been digging Heineken lately, and I also grabbed uh, a case of um, Rolling Rock yeah. not that long ago. I mean, I drink I, I drink the whole variety. I mean, beer's beer to me. Like, it's yeah. good. The only one I've never been a fan of is Budweiser. I just... I Oh, not the Bud a, Diesel, the original Bud? Yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not a huge fan me of Bud. Either. Like, any of the Bud products, I'm not a huge fan of. But I, I'll go for Bush Light, Coors, Miller. Bush Light's a Bud product. Yeah. I, but, I, it, but see, that's to me, it's a little bit different because it's... It enters that light, and and it's and, and I'm talking about Budweiser and Bud Light, like the original yeah. lager and the Bud Light. I've and never been a fan of the the taste. I just I, hey, you know what? I my my in laws um t- t- typically have Bud Light is kind of like their their staple. Um, that's kind of their go to. I like it. Um, I, 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 I just think I, it's I, the I rice flavor I don't like. And, and, and it's to each their own, you it, know. It honestly does. It tapers the hangover a little bit, though. Does it? I will admit that it uh, it makes it a little bit more tolerable than a normal like wheat. And I mean, if barley. that's all I have at a party, I'm going to drink it. Though I'm not going to say no. It's a beer. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would definitely agree with you. Um, but, but three sheep's pool party, 
Uh, absolutely phenomenal brew. Check it out. All right, now we have another edition of How Many Locos You At. Yeah, Eric, can you give us a little background on this one? It's an interesting one. Yeah, so uh, uh, the acting sheriff at the time that this happened in uh, Milwaukee County uh, ordered an aggressive operating while intoxicated, uh, that's OWI by drugs or alcohol, uh, initiative to uh, rid the Milwaukee County freeway system of intoxicated drivers. Um, So at the time that past weekend of the uh, Operation uh, Drive Sober initiative um, was from uh, Friday to that Monday, and it resulted in a massive arrest of 14 drivers where the average uh, PBT uh, was 0.15, which is almost double the the legal limit. So one repeat offender was arrested for OWI 4th, after a hit and run on Saturday, that was March 3rd of this year, um, at about 10 p.m., it was on I-43 going southbound near uh, West North Avenue. The driver of the vehicle that was hit followed the striking vehicle to a residence on West Holly Road. A deputy responded and arrested the uh, individual, 33, he's from Milton, Wisconsin, for OWI fourth offense. His prior convictions were uh, November 2005, July 2007, and September 2008. So kind of spot on with his, um, with his, uh, you know, convictions here. Very, very uh, late in his life, it seems that he's, or not, not even late. Um, yeah, he's, he's a younger guy. So crazy that he, you know, amounted this many before he's 33. Uh, if convicted uh, of this Class H felony, he faces up to six years in prison. Crazy. We also had a first-time drunk driver crashed his truck into a marked squad car. Russ, this is crazy. Yes. So, at so, the scene of the crash on uh, 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 of I-43 northbound uh, near Brown Street, um, this individual, he's 26, oof, just, just really got into his drinking phase, right? Uh, he is actually from Townsend, Tennessee. He struck an unoccupied squad with his pickup truck, causing his truck to flip over onto its roof. He was evaluated by the Milwaukee Fire Department uh, and first responders right on the scene, and they did not. Uh, he didn't complain of any injuries. Uh, the Marquette University Police Department is also investigating the crash, since that's also near their jurisdiction. So as well. this is our first case of double, yeah, double so locos. This article really focuses in on uh, this 33-year-old and this 26-year-old. Which is that initiative that they had. So right. they're, they're trying to crack down on drunk driving. So the first one, let's let's break it down. 33-year-old, four-time veteran. Yeah. He can handle <laughs> some um, alcohol. He has um, some high ABV. So they said the average was 0.15, so he could have been over or under. So that's a lot of brews. Yeah. So, you know, the first one, the repeat offender, they're saying 0.15 is an average, right? And also he's from Milton. Okay, so I want this, to take that into a, a consideration yeah. because of where uh, f- the Four Locos is brewed near La Crosse, Wisconsin. Milton, although it's not super close, it's it's close. Yeah, I mean it's just north of Janesville. There, uh, Milton, Wisconsin is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this guy. So the first one, I think he's at a eight eight to twelve loco. Two yeah. or three cans. I, I don't thinking, know for sure. I was thinking three cans for sure. So yeah, twelve. So t- we'll go twelve local on this first guy. The second yeah. guy, the first time offender. He's not. He's twenty six. So he hasn't. He's only been in the drinking game for about five years. It's first time legally. Yeah, he hit a cop car. But also, he's from Tennessee. He's from Tennessee, which the drinking culture down there. I don't know if it's as crazy as it is here. Only if you're in Nashville. Nashville has a drinking scene. Nashville is basically like. Uh, the the I mean that's the party capital. It recently took over for bachelor and bachelorette parties. And no, nothing against our Tennessee brethren, but Townsend I've never heard of it, so I'm guessing it's in the rurals, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and so they're probably, probably sticking d- to whiskey. Yeah, they're um, they're that's the southern, the more southern whiskey. They're kind of by Kentucky, you know. They got now, the moonshiners out there. You and I both know police vehicles, squad cars of all types, generally do have some sort of reflective paint. Right. For their logos and their writing and stuff. So I'm like a little bit concerned that this person is very deep in the bag. I believe he is the 
the the one who's north of the average. So, I mean, he's coming from Tennessee, so he's probably visiting a girlfriend, family, or something. He might even be in school here. Yeah, he, um, maybe that's what, you know. He might go to UWM He's here 26, in so maybe it's a little out of the college range, but maybe. He could. Yeah, he still could be. I mean, he could be maybe he lived. Maybe he lived here because he was in school and he never yeah. left, um, and they just list him from there because technically, I guess, you're you're from wherever you came from until you've made this your permanent residence and maybe even at 26 he's probably still living in like a you know dumpy apartment or a, yeah. a house that he rents and with like six at, other guys at 26 you're still doing some dumb stuff so this guy Very, might be a yeah. little a little higher i think the first one's a 12 yeah i think this one might be a 16 i think he's one I, can above i don't and he's, a, love, he's not a rookie he, he's not a veteran i mean he's a rookie yeah you know, so. i don't love the fact that he hit uh a squad car and at the rate that you're going speed wise we realize that the result of the crash was that he flipped his truck and he's now on the roof. So he's got this thing completely flipped 180. Oh, wow. He's sitting on the roof of his truck. Uh, wheels are up in the air. I think that is the most telling evidence of all that he must have been going pretty damn quick and he hit it. To me, you got to hit it like on one of the ends of the, tr- you know, yeah, like yeah. I just feel like this is a pretty bad thing. So I'm leaning again on this one personally, probably towards the two and a half can to three can. Okay. Somewhere in that ten to tw- or uh, um, rather, yeah, maybe like ten. So, so you think we got a double twelver? I think so. Okay. We yeah, might have a, a case of two twelves. There is a little um a thing in here, so he, you might be right. He it says Marquette University Police Department are investigating, so he might have been a Marquette student. You never going know. out with his friends, partying, you exactly. know. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it's just a shame, you know, it, with Uber in Milwaukee and like all the taxi services. I was just gonna say, probably why? even just the taxis alone, like, you know, Ubers. You, there's a little bit of thought going into that. You've yeah. Got to yeah. like go to the app, go to Uber, or Lyft, or whatever, and then and you know flag them down and all that. But the 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 taxis, it's just like. A lot of them sit outside of bars and restaurants and stuff just to be able to, to, to catch those individuals that need a ride. Yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, you're going to get a ticket because it's Milwaukee, right? So you're going to get a $50 ticket or whatever it is for parking. But it's better than your car insurance going up because you hit a cop car. Your insurance is yeah. going to skyrocket now. You're going to have to pay for your first offense in Wisconsin. is a big deal now. It's like $1,000. You need a lawyer. I would, yeah, I would say anywhere from so, 1000 to $1,200 minimum for that first and, uh, you know, I don't, you don't serve any time or anything, but the, the inconvenience of all of the financial, uh, things, and that's not just the fines and, and fees that are directly given to, you know, the County, but also like you said, insurance stuff, yeah. you're going to lose your license for at least six months. Uh, you're going to be able to get a probation, uh, uh, license, but that again has restrictions on times that you can be in your car. Uh, you know, you have to be able to tell where you're going. It's just kind of a nightmare process. And uh, for a 26-year-old to be going through this, and maybe he is from out of town, that's going to be bad for him. Yeah, for sure. So, so we, got, we got double 12 locos. I'm settled on the double 12. Okay, gavel, sounds good. Gavel sounds. All right, and on today's episode, we also wanted to give a business shout-out to uh, Maddie B's uh, a finer way to play. Uh, essentially what they do is provide very premium professional type scoring stations or solutions for uh, games, backyard games like cornhole, horseshoes, washers. Uh, and they are really nice looking professional scoring systems. You, you set them behind the bag station. You've even got a little table side for each set of bags to sit on or rest on set some washers on it for the other games. Uh, and then you've got your, you know, professional tallied kind of store uh, scoring uh, station right up, uh, up top there as well, where you can use these uh, nice colored clips uh, that go on there to indicate what the score currently is. Uh, they are also offering lighted scoring systems as well for those late night plays. So if you're uh, into cornhole, Uh, in those backyard games, this is a must-have. You're going to want to impress your friends and family. They come over for, uh, you know, a nice, let's just say, uh, 4th of July party. And now you've got the top-notch scoring solution behind your very sweet, sick bag setup. Uh, the, The best part about these things is 
that you can uh, rest assured this is a local company, local business. You're going to be doing uh, business directly with the manufacturer of these products, uh, and they are very fine, fine products. You can go to their website, which is Matty Bees. That's M A T T Y B S a finerway.com so that's maddie bees a finerway.com and you can see their uh, products that they offer and also photos and testimonials from uh, individuals who have these products already in use so i would say go over to maddie bees a finerway.com and go ahead and upgrade your backyard game so today we're here with steve from sprecker brewing company how you doing steve great how you guys doing not too bad. So can you give us a little history about the Sprecher Brewing Company? Sure. Uh, Sprecher was founded in um, uh, 1985 by Randy Sprecher. Uh, it was a Milwaukee's first craft brewery since Prohibition. Um, started out producing beers, but today we make uh, sodas and hard sodas and, and sparkling water. Um uh, you know, despite producing a full range of award-winning beers, um, our, our, our amber is probably our, our best-known beer, and our sodas, uh, particularly our root beer, uh, sell uh, quite well here in Wisconsin and Illinois and the rest of the Midwest. Randy Strucker, the California native, um, started uh, his brewing career at Pabst, and after four years, he founded his own brewery in 85 uh, with just $40,000. Uh, he purchased used equipment to keep costs down, uh, and his um, bottling line, which he bought from Coca-Cola, uh, remains in use today. Uh, in terms of uh, the sodas, uh, you know, we're fire-brewed, which is you know, a big differentiator for us, and we use natural ingredients, inc- including um, ginger that's made right here in Wisconsin, and our uh, honey is uh, sourced from local, uh, local uh, sources as well here in Wisconsin. So... Um, yeah, the soda is uh, you know is a huge hit uh, in the craft soda segment, and our beers continue to sell well uh, here in Wisconsin. Yeah, I know we're, we're both huge fans. We uh, we just had the uh, fire brewed lager that you guys have, the four one four. Oh yeah, that's love. A, it's a great beer, and like, love it. It, it, like we always tell people, if you're going to transition from uh, cheap beer to uh, craft, I think that's a good intro into the market. Yep, it's a- I, I would agree. I also like our Milwaukee's Pills. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I myself have, have got kind of gotten over of really heavy hot beers, um, but the Milwaukee Pills is really easy drinking, and um, you know you can you can sit down and session it. Uh, and if you're looking for something different here coming up in the next few weeks, uh, our Zar beer, excuse me, Zar can't talk this morning. Zar Brew will be coming out celebrating our 35th anniversary. Uh, four years ago. Uh, Craig, our brewmaster, uh, acquired some oak bourbon barrels and uh, filled it with our stout, our really good stout. So four years later, uh, we know that, uh, well, we've tried it. Uh, it's going to have a, 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 a you know, bold, full-bodied imperial stout flavor with oak, caramel, and, and bourbon flavors. It's really, really good. It'll be coming out here in the next few weeks in uh, liter bottles. Your best bet is to stop by the brewery at our, our retail gift shop to acquire one. Along with that, we'll also have a raspberry framboise um, uh, using uh, old world techniques and fresh raspberries um, instead of uh, sour cherries. Uh, this lambic uh, was also aged uh, for two years, um, and it's the gr- a great balance of fruity and tart. So ramber- raspberry framboise and the Zara beer brew uh, available here in a week or two. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I'm a huge fan of the Black Bavarian, especially uh, wintertime. It's a great beer. It's like a really German traditional tasting. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I'm one. Uh, on that. Yep. I also like the Heavy Bison and the, and the Triple Ale. Um, but if I just want to, if I just want to sit down and, um, uh, you know, uh, if I'm going to be sitting and drinking for a while, it's uh, my go-to is the pills. Yeah. Uh, a lot definitely. of people go for the special special amber. That's uh, our bestseller right now. So we've got a lot of choices, and um, you know everything's locally sourced, locally made, right, right in uh, Glendale, Wisconsin. Yeah, and I, I love that you guys uh, give your grains to farmers, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, we like to, uh, you know, everything we do, you know, uh, is is devoted to the community around uh, Glendale and the state. 
And, you know, we, we, we've benefited from the state's love for us, and we try to give back to the state. Yeah, I, I know it's one of my one of my favorite tours. I've been there multiple times. I think I went twice for the tour. I've been to the yoga you guys have had. I, I honestly love Spreckers, and I'm really excited to have you guys on, honestly. Thanks. Well, we're, we're, we're so happy to be here. Yeah, and uh, I know when I go to Menards, like as I, that's where I spend most of my check. To tell you the truth, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I can't I can't help but leave them without a Sprecker soda. Oh, absolutely, got to get a, a little four pack of soda. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, if you go to if you go to Menards, you'll find uh, like seventy facings of our soda. Um, but yeah, we're available in, in grocery stores and at Menards. Menards has been our uh, a great supporter of us, and you know we, we do a lot for Menards. So there's a there's a lot of Wisconsin love going on between us and Menards. Uh, shout out to our, our friends up there in Eau Claire, and um, uh, our, our our head of sales, Doug uh, Doug Cullis, uh, has, has worked so hard to uh, to make the sodas go. So uh, you know he's he's a great partner for me. I'm, I'm the head of marketing, and Doug's the head of sales, and um, I couldn't ask for a better guy than Doug to work with. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so I was going to ask, I know COVID has really uh, put a staple on things. and um, But I was going to ask, are you guys still running tours or do you have any events? Yeah, we, we run um, uh, tours uh, on the weekends and um, the retail shop is open uh, Thursday to Sunday. So we're, uh, you know, we're out there, uh, uh, you know, trying to make the best of it inside of this COVID world. Uh, tours still run. Uh, we just ask that you bring a mask. We've got plenty of uh, sanitizer handy. So yeah, it's all green lights for um, all green lights for uh, tours and, and visiting the gift shop. Awesome, that sounds great. And if you're looking, you know, if you're looking for something special or unusual for the holidays, you know, come on down to the come on down to the gift shop, the retail shop. Um, it's really uh, it's really a, a fun spot, and Lori who runs it. Um, she's been there a long time, her and her staff. And, you know, we've had to cut back hours a little bit. You know, we're not open uh, Mondays or Tuesdays in the gift shop. Um, so I, I, I may have misspoken. Wednesday, Wednesday to Sunday uh, for the gift shop. Uh, noon to 8, except for Sunday when it's 11 to 4. Got it. Awesome. Perfect. Okay, so before we let you go, we have our segment we ask every guest. It's the uh, How Wisconsin Are You segment. Are you ready? Oh, sure. Can I, do I have to give this one answer, or can I give multiple answers? Oh, it, hey, the more detailed or, or how many, you know, whatever you want to give is great. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. So, so, uh, so first, we got some questions we'll ask you first, and then if you want to explain a little bit too about how Wisconsin you are. Um, so, the, so the first one is, have you ever eaten a squeaky cheese curd? Oh, absolutely. Um, my kids got me hooked on them. Um, and I'll, I'll eat them whether they're squeaky or not. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, cheese is a part of my life, man. Absolutely. Totally agree. Have you ever tailgated at a Packers, Brewers, or a Badgers game? So this past January twentieth, I was uh, the fortunate, I was for, uh, fortunately invited to go to the Packers playoff game at Lambeau in fifteen degree weather. Um, tailgated and sat in the end zone uh, with some buddies, and my son, uh, who remains a Packer fan, uh, drove over from uh, Minneapolis with his father-in-law, who lives in Eau Claire. So we all hung out together, had a great time. I uh, got to hook up with uh, family and friends. Uh, my my. Uh, son's father-in-law and so on so we had a we had a wonderful time yeah um packers games outdoors i've done uh, badger games outdoors um uh what else you know admirals games i'm a huge Summerfest fan yeah as, as well as live music so yeah uh you know I'm, I'm a i'm not a wisconsin native but it's my it's my home now i've been here since 1990 awesome yeah all right so have you ever hit a deer not in the state of Wisconsin. I did run over a deer when I lived in Michigan. Uh, it, it was already down, and it made a mess of the bottom of my Volkswagen Jetta GLI. Oh, oh man. Um, but, yeah, I, I hit one. It was already down, and it, I, I, felt, I felt terrible. You know? Have you ever had a true muddled old-fashioned, and do you prefer your sweet or sour? I'm a sour guy. Uh, i got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not a big old-fashioned drinker. I really like the straight whiskey, you know, from Scotland or Japan. But uh, when I drink them, when I have them, I like them sour. Yeah, same here. Have you ever milked a cow? <laughs> <laughs> you mean like in earnest, like for real, or yeah, like as a part of visiting a farm? Yeah, I've done the latter, but I've, I've never, I've never milked a cow in anger. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, you, yeah, yeah. It's still a pass. That's still a passing grade, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. I wrestled a sturgeon. I wrestled a sturgeon in Lake Winnebago. You'd be happy to know. Hey. Wow. 
Did the yeah. Sturgeon win? Uh, no, the Sturgeon got away, man. He was a slippery dude. Yeah, there <laughs> yeah. you go. All right, so this is a controversial question in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, what do you consider to be up north Wisconsin? Up north there? You got a hay there? Yeah, yeah, hey. yeah there. A couple, of, a couple of shells, put them on their side to eat, you know? Um, up north. Oh, that's, see, I'm from Michigan, so up north there means Traverse City and north. Um, I don't know, anything north of Eau Claire? Yeah, that's that's a pretty good answer, actually. I'll accept yeah. it's better than my answer. I used to say anything north of the Dells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I being, was really giving it away. Being in the South, it's kind of how it is, though, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, growing up in, I mean, you know, growing up in Michigan, up north is, um, I mean, where I where I live in Kalamazoo, Michigan, straight across the lake. Yeah. South a little bit, and then you know when you're on that side of the lake and you go north, you can drive for like 10, 11 hours and not leave the state of Michigan yeah. because of the UP. So, um, yeah, up, up north of Michigan is, is is another sort of subjective thing. Um, uh, I went to, as a high schooler uh, playing hockey, we went up to a tournament one time and in an unheated van in like late December, early January. Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> Talk about cold. That's yeah. rough. Steve, yeah. have you ever been to Salt St. Marie there up in the UP there, guy? Oh, yeah. We played another tournament there, you know. Um, in fact, when was it? So this would have been the late 79. We played a tournament up there in front of uh, 10,000 people. Biggest crowd I ever played in front of. And um, uh, I got voted uh, second star of the game for one of our, one of our tournament games. I was, I was pretty pleased with uh, going up against those, those farm boys from the UP there. Holy cripes, there, uh, guy. Kids, you know, they all have facial hair and, and uh, whiskers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> here I was. I was actually, I was actually not uh, officially on the team yet. I hadn't entered the high school, but the coach snuck me on for the tournament. So, did ha- had you ever gotten into any hockey fights? Have you have you thrown fisticuffs? You know, um, so my father-in-law will disagree with me vehemently, but I don't think fighting's part of the game. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I was I was the leading scorer for our high school team in, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, my senior year. Um, so I was the target of a lot of uh, sticks and, and and fists and you know whatnot. Um, I like to I like to retaliate by winning. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah for that's sure. the best medicine to give them. Put the puck in the net. Shut them right up. Yeah, but we were uh, we were joking about uh, how uh, UP kids are like born with a beard, flannel, and Stormy Cromer hats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> And they're all they're all farm kids, so they're strong as strong as I'll get. Out. Yeah, you don't want to mess with a youper, <laughs> no, especially when they had a few beer, beers. Oh, oh definitely yeah. not. That's when they get stronger. So, have you ever been to a supper club? And uh, do you have a favorite? I don't know. I mean, you know, I've visited some cool restaurants. Um, you know, the one that I think comes closest is right here, right here down the street. Um, you know, Pandals in, in Whitefish Bay has been around for. Good Lord, 110 years. You know, it used to be a resort. That whole area in the North Shore used to be yeah. a resort. So, so Pandals is kind of like a supper club, serious German theme. Um, and uh, I can't think of the one that's out by um, by Colgate um, uh, that, that acts like a supper club. Um, oh, good Lord, I'm not going to remember the name. My friend, uh, my friend Rich Druick, who just relocated up north in the Door County, um, uh, lived nearby there, and, and we went out there a time or two. Uh, with some friends to visit. I cannot think of the name of it. It's in the woods. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Oh, no worries. Yeah, there's a couple in that area. I know I've been to Johnny Manhattan's and I've been to like the Copper Dock. Um, those ones are, are two of my favorites in that area, sort of. Yeah, Johnny Manhattan's is not the one I'm thinking. I've been there, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. This one's more in a woodsy spot. Yeah, <laughs> there is one that has like the the whole driveway is like this wooded area. You don't even know if you're in the right area. Exactly, right. You drive I drive through a couple acre, well, an acre of woods. It's, it's tucked back. Yeah. I'll be darned if I can think of the name of it. I know. Is it Fox and Hounds? Because that's the one I was just thinking of. It's in Hubertus, and it's, uh, like I said, the driveway is just the longest thing, and it seems like you're you're just <laughs> driving sounds, up to someone's. That sounds right. And then the, it, the right. inside is like, they've got like seven wood-burning fireplaces and everything in there. It's amazing. Cool. I think that is the place. You know other other uh, things that I, you know that, that make me a uh, true Wisconsinite. You know I've led marketing for Lightning Kugels at one time. There you uh, go. Miller Brewing Company. I led the marketing for Milwaukee's cool. Best. When I worked for Stroh's, I worked on the old Milwaukee brand. 
and now Sprecher. So, um, you know, beer's been in my blood since I was a little kid. I collected beer cans when that was a that was a hobby for kids in the 70s. Cool. Um, you know, I danced with Bo Black at Summerfest. Um, rode a Harley in the Harley-Davidson 100th Anniversary Parade. Um, and, you know, the one that uh, didn't take place in Wisconsin, but I'll, I'll lay claim to it is... Uh, when, when I took my son on spring break to New York City uh, some years back, <clears throat> when he was a junior in high school, we went and saw Les Paul play live at the Jazz Iridium Club in New York City on, at, during his, when he did his Monday night gig before he passed. Yeah, that honestly, that's you've you've kind of hit on some of the most Wisconsin <laughs> Wisconsin things you can do, <laughs> right? Yeah. And obviously, yeah. and worked for you know most of the best Wisconsin companies there are. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, wherever I go, whatever I do, I, I always give a shout out and <clears throat> tell people how much, you know, Milwaukee is the, is the greatest, you know, best kept secret in the Midwest. Yeah. You know, we've got a great music scene. We've got a great restaurant scene. Um, you know, we have a theater scene here that's among the top five in the country. Um, you know, you can get anywhere in 20 minutes. Um, you know, it's just a, it's just a great place to live. And one of the jobs I had, I, I traveled the world, you know, for, the better part of eight years and you know i got to see europe you know some of south america some of asia mexico and when i came home i'm like you know what i am so glad i live here because anything you want to do it's close by um the music scene here with Summerfest and the Pabst and turner you know it's it's the best um and you know we don't have a people don't know this you know and, and you know our population isn't growing like some of the coastal cities but I think as people figure out, you know, that, uh, you know, they want, they want some peace in their lives and, and they want a reasonable cost of living and, and, you know, commuting, you know, telecommuting, working remote becomes even more commonplace. I think we're going to see people coming here uh, to enjoy all, all the great things that, that Milwaukee has to offer. I'm a massive fan of this place. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right. I got two more questions for you before we let you go today. Um, for Beer Brats, is there a Sprecher beer you recommend us checking out to try? Well, I, I would go with the Amber myself. Yeah. Uh, it goes down easy. You know, that, that, that sweet Amber taste uh, offsets some of the spicy of the brats. Awesome. Yeah. we. You know, it, it stinks because you, you hate to waste a craft beer, but you want to get that different fra- flavor brat. Yeah, just so want to try it out, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think the, the sweetness, the maltiness of the, of the Amber does a nice job of, of um, balancing, you know, uh, countering the, uh, the, the typical spiciness of a brat. Yeah. All right, we got one more question before we let you go. Um, besides Sprecher, which is an awesome tour, by the way, um, is there another brewery tour, brew pub, or uh, you know, a place you you recommend someone visit? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I've I've been on the Lakefront Brewery tour, and I, I like that one. They do a nice job. Now it's been a long time since I've been on it, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, they do they do a nice job. Um, the one I've taken a, a bunch of times because I'm a Spirits fan uh, is down there at Great Lakes Distillery. Uh, you know, it's, it's tight, it's small, um, it's, uh, informative, it's funny. And, um, uh, they just do, they just do a very nice job of explaining distilled spirits in a very compact space. So I, I, I would do those two. Um, you know, I'm a little biased. I like, I like the spirits. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the people that work down there are good folks. And, um, you know, we, I, I, I've been a fan for a long time. And one of my, in one of my prior jobs, I actually called on them to try to, get their input on a new product we were working on not not related to production but related to aging barrels so uh it, it wasn't it wasn't uh related to beer it was related to uh, trying to uh, reduce the angel share in uh, in spirits uh, uh barrel aging so uh, gotcha. they provided some nice uh, feedback to me and i i, I I'll, I'll be forever grateful to them yeah we definitely we we really do appreciate the the folks there at gld we've i think they were actually one of our first I think the first interview we ever yeah, did with a uh, roaring Dan CV and the rum. We did a roaring Dan episode. And, yeah. Uh, they came on and yeah, the, the folks there at, at, at great lakes distillery are absolutely phenomenal. They're really good we, guys. You know, we sure. We we're the original. We're the first craft distillery. We're the first distillery to open. Sorry. <laughs> we're the first yeah. brewery to open since prohibition, right? And yeah. The is, they're the first distillery to open. So we, we, we share a common bond there in terms of being first. Definitely. You guys have that, that tight relationship of being the first, you know, after prohibition. Mm-hmm. Yep. But Steve, we really appreciate your time. Um, thank you for taking the time and coming on the podcast. Um, we're super happy to have Sprecher on. It's one of our major breweries in the area. So uh, yeah, thank and, you. And we can't wait to yeah, make it out there. Anytime guys. All right, Steve. Thank you. Have a good Sunday. 
Okay, you too. Take care. All right, bye. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home.